Down to Business with Bobby Kerr on News Talk. Now, cherished for their age, beauty, rarity, and condition, antiques represent many things to many people. Antiques form a huge part of our shared history and heritage and act as a reminder of our rich and storied past. So, for this week's industry review, I wanted to peer back into the past by looking at the health of the dealers and business owners operating in Ireland now. I'm delighted to be joined this morning by Gareth Weldon. He's the president of the Irish Antique Dealers Association. He's also the owner of Weldon's Jewellery right here in Dublin. And also joining me is Elise Ketcher. She's head of fine jewellery and a gemologist at Courtville. I'm also joined by by Rody Keary from RJ Keary Antiques in Waterford. Um, all three, you're all very welcome to the programme. Gareth, I'm going to start with you and maybe you might give me a high level um, understanding of the antiques business in Ireland and its health right now. Um, hi, Bobby. Things are going quite well at the moment. Um, the Irish Antiques Association has grown about 20% in the last three or four years. We've had a few new members come in. Um, so everything's looking good. Tell me then about the typical antique dealer. Now, I know there's probably no no typical one, yeah. but just give give our listeners an understanding of, of how your business works. The overwhelming um, body of the industry is made up of, of self-employed sole traders, one-man bands, two-man bands. Uh, there's very few big businesses, so everybody has their own unique style and their own unique way of going about business. It's a very personal business and relationships are very important both with your customers, with your suppliers and indeed with your colleagues. Things like uh, where you get your stock would be of interest to, to, to our listeners and I presume that's probably a competitive landscape even among the people that we have here on, on our programme today, so you may not want to let out all your state secrets, but typically where do you go and find those gems that you can make a few bob on? Uh, finding is the most important thing and indeed the hardest thing. Um, you travel very widely. Everything has to be seen in person. There's, there's, you can't really buy through a photograph. You can't really buy it just through, off, uh, through a description. So you have to go and see the piece, assess it, have it in your hand, get a sense of the, should we say, the energy, the aura around it. Has it got the right um, magic ingredient for you? Okay. Right, let's talk to some of our other guests. Uh, Rody Keary, RJ Keary Antiques in Waterford. Rody, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Bobby. Tell us a little bit about your business. I know it started out in Kilmac Thomas, uh, but found its way to Waterford City Centre. Yes, well, my late father um, started the business in 1949, and uh, I came into the business in 19, late 69, 70. Right. And um, we opened in Waterford uh, in 1968. So I, I came in late into the start up but uh, it was the private sales we, he was into mostly and then my wife and I started the auctions right and now our son Thomas has come into the business and he's the third generation to take it on board and tell so, us ab- tell us about the uh, the auction house Rody uh, you know I've got sort of romantic images of love joy and cash in the attic and all that stuff but I'm sure it's much more hard work than all than all those TV shows suggest absolutely it's much much uh, a harder job now because a lot of the business is done online 
and it means you have to have photographs and uh, reports and measurements. People phone up that don't want to come anymore. Uh, your footfall is down, but your um, your customer base is larger and wider. So it's it's a big process now to run an auction, to be very truthful. But very successful at the moment. It's going very, very well. And can you tell us a little bit about your business's transition to the online world? Like, there's a huge element of trust in online sales, particularly around antiques, I'd suggest. Well, I suppose my late father had a great saying, if you haven't your name, you have nothing. And you give your assessment to the customer to the best of your knowledge and point out all the all the mistakes or damages or whatever may be on and they have to trust you, and thankfully it's going very well that way. Right. But Thomas, our son, would be very much into that, and uh, he looks after all that end of it. Okay. All right, stay with us, Rody, because I want to talk to our next guest, who's uh, Alice Ketcher. She's a gemologist and antique jewellery specialist at Courtville. Alice, you're uh, very welcome to the programme. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you have a very interesting history. I know you've worked internationally in the area of gemstones uh, and all that good stuff. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would. Oh, that's a long story. That might be <laughs> another program. <laughs> but um, I'm, I was originally born in Australia and came over to Ireland, actually, when I was 18 and started off my jewellery career in Ireland, but have since been to the to America and the UK and also back home dealing with antique jewellery and fine gemstones. Okay. Tell me about the specialist world of gemstones, Alice. Um, what, what in your world, because again, I know nothing about uh, your business, but I'd love to understand, you know, the, the business element of buying and selling gemstones. Of course. Well, I, I work with um, Garrett's brother, Matthew Weldon, and in Courtville in Powers Court Townhouse. Um, and really, the wonderful thing about gemstones, unlike diamonds, is you can actually um, tell the beauty of a stone without having much um, expertise in it, even though you might not know what you're looking at. It's the way that a gemstone actually interacts with light and how mesmerizing the stone is and how vibrant the color is that actually captures the imagination. Um, And so even though I'm a gemologist, I can understand what the quality of that is. Right. But even someone who's just looking for a beautiful gemstone would be able to tell with their naked eye a gemstone that is of high quality in comparison to the other stones in the window. You'll notice that uh, us ladies, we have a real eye for gemstones and we, we usually pick out the best in the window straight away. Okay. And where does the fashion element or trends in the business come about? In other words, do certain gemstones and certain styles of rings, etc come in and out of fashion and do, do you do you have to keep up with modern trends? Most definitely. I mean, you know, we, we always see a peak when um, when someone has worn a piece of jewellery in media. For example, Aquamarines came heavy on the market a couple of years ago when Meghan Markle re-wore uh, Princess Diana's uh, Aquamarine ring. So we do find that trends 
specifically with celebrity sightings and what they're wearing do pique the interest um, of our clients. But one thing that I would say is that with beauty, it never goes out of fashion. So something that is beautiful to my eyes today has been beautiful to someone over a hundred years ago as well, and will be beautiful to someone in a hundred years from from now as well. Yeah. So it's something to remember. Beauty kind of in in the jewelry world never fades, and it's the reason why we have such um, amazing collections today because of what has been created in the past. Okay, uh, Rody, just back to you for a second. I, I was asking Gareth earlier about. Uh, where you find the various treasure troves. How how do you go about uh, getting stock available to sell? What what's what's what? the what's the secret sauce? There's no real secret, Bobby. There's just an answer to say that people uh, are downsizing, um, going from small house to big house. People unfortunately get divorced. People get short of money. Debt is a big one, of course. And there's always a transfer of houses. So it, it, there's a lot of items are, are, are up for sale the whole time. We're yeah. actually, we have enough stock to do us till the end of this year. For three auctions coming up, we have enough stock. Right. And what type of, uh, what type of uh, articles from a, an old country house? Or where are, where, what are the easiest things to sell from, from your point of view? Well, of course, the brown furniture uh, was having a downscale altogether there for a long time. But I think it's on the way back. People are seeing the quality that's attached to it. And as I keep telling people, you don't have to have all old items in your house. You can have a couple with your uh, reproduction and new items. They blend very well if you have the eye for it. And um, it's it's progressively getting better with the younger people. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so so in 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 today's home, you can have you know a, a Chesterfield suite beside a modern piece of IKEA furniture, and it doesn't look out of place. No, because I think one would complement the other because you don't get the IKEA piece long ago, and it, you know the young people, as I say, they they have great ideas. And they're looking at all these programs today and, uh, you know, they, they, their imagination runs with them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And, and uh, you know, they're getting great advice. But the big advice I give to every one of them, buy one good piece and you'll always have it and it's always going to be worth the money. Right. And, you know, people are upcycling now, they're painting items, you know. So it's a changed business, but it's going, I think it's going in the right direction, to be truthful. That's good. And back to you, Gareth. Um, You say that you're in competition with modern retailers, which I'm kind of slightly surprised by. I would have thought that, you know, what you do and, you know, the historical nature of what it is, uh, that, that is a completely different proposition. But you say that you are. So maybe explain that to me. Um. When the customer enters the market, they don't always know about, for example, the quality or age or condition differences between a new piece and an old piece, what craftsmanship elements might come into play um, and what longevity of value um, features might be relevant. So the day one thing is, I suppose, to educate the customer, to show why is this piece desirable? What has this got that the older, uh, sorry, that the new piece doesn't have? So you have to start really from, from scratch, if you like, and explain 
the different uh, types of things that are in the market first yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then build on from that. And and when, when we talk there about things like um, social media that have infected every business, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I presume, and, and Rody mentioned it there, the world of antiques is no different if we think of things like Instagram where it's a pictorial uh, representation of a product. I'm sure that there's lots of antiques could be bought and sold on Instagram. Yeah, you couldn't come up with a better social media than Instagram for the antiques world because it's only about the uh, picture painting of a thousand words. There's no discussion, there's no editorial comment. It's simply a photograph followed by another photograph followed by another photograph. Um, we've seen an enormous growth of our Instagram in the last four or five years to the point where um, it's pretty much as important an aspect of the business as the shop window. Okay. Um, it takes up that much time in terms of dealing with questions, dealing with inquiries. Uh, and leads to as much sales as physically having things in your So window. it's a channel very much to be developed and nurtured. Enormously so, yeah. yes. Yeah. Elise, could I ask you the same question about the influence of social media uh, around, I suppose, the, sa- the sale of, of uh, antique jewellery or fine gems? Yeah, I mean, exactly what Garrett has said, the Instagram is a really fundamental part of the business. Any business, I think, at the moment... Um, would require an Instagram portfolio for sure. Um, We also find that with our TikTok, it's a way for us to engage with the younger crowd. It also gives us the opportunity to educate um, those who are in the market or entering the market for things like engagement rings. We can teach them about the different time periods what to look for, the difference between reproduction and um, authentic antique jewellery and the reason why there's so much value in these pieces. So we've found that a lot of people have been coming to us and asking for more information after they've watched one of our educational videos or even listened to our podcast. Right. Okay. That's very interesting. Um Rody, I wish you were here to to help me with the, a, a very important valuation that's about to happen, but you're not. But so I'm going to ask uh, Gareth Weldon. Um, I brought in a piece of silver that my mother gave me, that was given to her by her mother. Um, I'm going to let Gareth describe it here, and I'm going to see if there's any cash in the attic in the care household. So, Gareth, uh, you might explain the piece I've brought in sure. to show you um, to, to our listeners, bearing in mind it's radio. It looks very much like, I suppose, an Easter egg missing its top half. It's sitting on a little base of uh, wheat forming a little conical base and sitting on top is a little wee um, chick. Uh, so it's silver? It's not silver. Oh, that's Writ- the first. Written on the base <laughs> is EPBM, electroplated base metal. Uh, and it's made by a company called L&W and Sons. So what, what, what was... So- so how much is it worth? Let's get to the bottom well, line. How much is it worth? You touched on the three things. There's age, condition and rarity. Age-wise, we're about 100 years old here. Condition is fabulous. The inside is perfect. Uh, the little chick is great. Uh, the clarity of the marks is wonderful. Um, the sim- symbolism of it, it's quite clearly an Easter piece with the egg, the chick and the wheat around symbolising Christ. Uh, but the last bit is where it falls down, rarity. So if this was, for example, made in one of the very rare places, Clonmel or Galway, you would go home and buy yourself a sports car. Sadly, this was mass produced in England 
uh, they made them by the million and there's going to be no sports car today. <laughs> well, interesting. I, I wasn't going to tell you this, but my sister told me and uh, that the chick on the top was welded back to it three or four <laughs> times. Uh, so, so, but it is a lovely piece. It's it's it's, I, it's it's it looks. I, I I asked my mother for it because I I have fond memories of it as a child at the dinner table, and she said, "Oh yeah, you take that." And uh, but anyway, it's it's worth nothing. So here we go. <laughs> it's worth its sentimental value. <laughs> So, Rody, there you go. Do you get many people like me coming in that end up disappointed? I I give back very bad news every day. (laughs) All the time, Bobby. But just on one point, if I could say, and you were asking earlier uh, 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 there about uh, we have our third generation, Thomas, our son, and he's doing his first auction on Monday next. So he's he's on the rostrum for a while on Monday. It will be his first auction. Okay, and tell me about that, just because that's probably interesting. So he's probably observed as a young fellow over the years, you doing your thing with the gravel and knocking stuff down and all that. Oh, absolutely. Even as a, I think he was only about nine when he got up and sold a few items one night. Right. He did quite well. But nowadays you have to have your license and all that sort of stuff. So... He has got that and uh, he's ready to go now, eager on Monday, please God. Well, listen, we, we wish him well because that's a big day for him and indeed yeah. for the family and the business. So so, so well, well done there. Maybe last word to you, Gareth, in terms of where the business is going. Um, it's lovely to talk to three people who are clearly specialists of what they do. And indeed, I can tell, you know, the love of what you do comes across clearly. Uh, It's that type of business, I'm sure. Very much so. The world is getting both larger and smaller. So over the course of today, I'm probably going to have emails from the four corners of the world. Uh, So I can sell much wider, but of course then I'm in greater competition with people from the four corners too. Sure. So you have to, I suppose, be a little bit sharper, a little bit um, faster to respond to your emails, have better photographs, better descriptions, uh, reach out to people in a way that perhaps your competitor isn't. Right, yeah. and the the Americans that like I presume if if you're if you're looking at say uh, tourists as customers, then you have to have a portfolio that suits that, you know, and you have to you yeah. have to basically match what you're selling with 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 who's available. Yes, but you also have to have your nuts and bolts in place. So you have to have a good shipping operation. You have to yeah. be able to. Um, send the things securely, safely, quickly. Yeah. Um, they have to have confidence that when they leave your shop and you're, the item's going to get posted to them next week, that it's going to happen in a timely, professional Absolutely. manner. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, it's a great business. Um, thank you to all my three Lovejoy uh, guests. Uh, Gareth Weldon, <laughs> President of the Irish Antique Dealers Association and owner, indeed, of Weldon's Jewellery here in Dublin. Uh, Rody Keary of RJ Keary Antiques. Rody, thanks for joining us. And thank Alice. You, Alice Ketcher, a gemologist, gemologist and antique jewellery specialist at Courtville. Thank you as well, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. And after all that, my silver is worth nothing. So thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> Down to Business with Bobby Kerr on News Talk.